Cast. Hello everybody, your host Earl Breon here. Uh, today's guest is brought to us by my friends over at C.S. Lewis and Company, a great publicist group right there. Uh, they provided a lot of top quality guests for this show. Uh, a lot of your fan favorites have come from them. And I have no doubt that Aura Nadrich, today's guest, is going to be on that list as well. Uh, today we're going to talk about mindfulness, what it is, how you can implement it, why it's important for you to implement it for your team, and the positive impacts it can have on you and your organization. Aura is a great lady to speak to about this. She has her own podcast that she started up. There'll be a link to that towards the end. I uh, highly recommend that you check it out if this episode resonates with you and you want to uh, incorporate mindfulness as part of your daily practice. With that, no more uh, no more waiting for this show. Here is my interview with Aura Nadrich. Well, hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon. Today, my guest is Aura Nadrich. Aura is founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. And she's the author of Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. She's a certified life coach, a mindfulness teacher. She specializes in transformational thinking, self-discovery, and mentoring new coaches as they develop their careers. Aura, thanks for joining us today. Hello, Earl. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, let me go ahead and just get you started where we start everybody else. When you hear the phrase burden of command, what does that mean to you? Well, it's got two very distinct words in that sentence. And the first word being burden and the second one being command. So those two words really jump out at you. And when I think of burden, I think of it as being, you know, a load or a heavy load, if you will. And when I think of command, I think of, you know, something that really connotes authority or maybe perhaps an authoritative order. So if I put those together, and of course, it's so interpretive, you know, one could look at it in a myriad of ways. I think that burden of command means whatever that command is to you, whatever you perceive as a command, whether you're the one that's giving the command or you're the one that's receiving the command and how you perceive that command. Okay, nice. I like that. That's, uh, I, that's, uh, that's a nice way to, to break it down. And um, I, I really appreciate that answer. So, uh, so in the intro, uh, you know, we talked about what you do and uh, use the term mindfulness. And I'm sure that's a term that many of my listeners have heard, but may not be extremely familiar with. So what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is the practice of being present. It's a, basically it's a quality, if you will, that is inherent in all of us but that we might not be aware of and we might not utilize. It's also a practice which has origins from long ago. Do you know? It could be traced back to 
religions going back to 2,500 years ago, be it Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, you know, it's a contemplative practice. It's a practice of being in the moment and being in the moment with, as I said, the awareness, the awareness of self, the awareness of other, the awareness of one's environment, and then perhaps the awareness of all that exists. And people have described that feeling as an experience of oneness or divineness or unity consciousness. So it really can be quite expansive depending on what you want to do with your present moment awareness. Yeah, and, and what I like about that is making that historical tie because that's one of the things that uh, we like to do with the, the teachings we do here at the, uh, at the Leadership Phalanx. We like to find those historical ties. And, and the one thing I like when I was uh, first becoming somewhat aware of this concept of mindfulness is, you know, it, it really took me back to a lot of those cultures you, you mentioned. But, you know, with my background in, in the military and, you know, this podcast having a wide range of listeners from CEO, uh, C-suite executives to uh, military members to first responders, you know, the, the cultures, especially on the military side that, that we look to, uh, the, the warrior cultures, as we call them, they all had this aspect of, of mindfulness, or as you called it, just kind of like being one uh, with, with your surroundings as part of their battle preparation. So mm, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it has a lot, of, a lot of applications in life, right? I agree. And I think that something like the military, although I've never served in the military, but the whole understanding of the warriorship, if you will, or the understanding of what it be, means to master the mind. Do you know any kind of practice or any kind of service that one does which requires tremendous focus and concentration and commitment really requires mastering the mind, if you will? Do you know? And I would think something like the military, in which one has to really train oneself or be trained, if you will, to be very present, very aware, very on top of your you know, on your toes, you know, to make sure that you are 100% present, you know, in the moment is a type of, we use the word warrior. And I really do believe that that is the practice of present moment awareness. It's a, it really is the way in which one practices mastering the mind. Mm. Now, that, uh, that all sounds great on a, uh, some of my, I'm kind of uh, playing the role of some of my listeners here. <laughs> you know, that, that all sounds great if I'm like, you know, getting ready to go into combat or maybe I'm getting ready to uh, practice a martial art or maybe I'm just trying to unwind at the end of the day. How does that help me in the workplace and leading other people? Well, you know, the way it really could be connected to all the things that we're talking about you know, as our starting off point is that whether you're talking about a daily practice of someone who doesn't serve in the military to just your everyday lay person, what that really means is it's it's a discipline. It's a mental discipline. And what does that really look like? You know, if someone were to ask me, okay, I don't know what mindfulness is. I don't know how to practice it. Start me off. Tell me what to do. And I would say, you know, Basically, what it means is to show up in the moment of your life and say, I'm here. I'm here. 
I'm, I want to be here. I'm owning this moment. I want to avail myself to this moment. I want to be as fully present in this moment as I possibly can. Well, what are some of the ways you can do that? Well, you can minimize your distractions. You can be aware of when you start to want to go out of the moment and do something like think about the past and lament the past and, you know, uh, begrudge the past and want to undo the past. Well, the past is gone. It's over. Or you might be somebody who's always looking towards the future and worrying or being anxious about what might or could happen. And, you know, studies have shown, there's a study in particular out of Harvard that says that our mind wanders almost 50% of the time. That means that our mind is quite busy. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. It wants to go to a lot of places other than where it is, do you know? Great. So the way in which we can, you know, just address it in our everyday life is try and be aware. Again, there's that operative word, awareness. Mindfulness is having an awareness of who we are and what we're doing in the moment of which we are in. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and that's... Uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see a lot of value and a lot of power in in that and being present. I mean, it's it's one of the things that uh, we talk a lot about, you know, like, for instance, communications. You mentioned your mind wandering. Well, if your mind is wandering, you can't really pay attention to what somebody's trying to communicate to you. And that's where a lot of uh, that's where a lot of misunderstandings and uh, and discourse start in workplaces. People just really aren't paying attention to one another, right? Absolutely, and there's it's 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 incongruent. There's not a cohesiveness, and when we're doing that, think about it. We're not giving something or someone our undivided attention. When we're giving someone or something our undivided attention, we are a hundred percent there, and that means that all of our senses are present with us, which means our sense of hearing our sense of, you know, listening, communication, seeing, are much more awake, you know, and, and much more heightened, if you will. So when we're not in present moment awareness, which is another way to describe mindfulness is present moment awareness, it's very easy to not, not only not bring the best of ourselves to the moment, but we can't really, you know, offer that up to anybody else unless we're really present and able to be there 100%. So now, a lot of times, like in, in I'll just say popular culture, uh, movies, TV shows, things like that, when they depict mindfulness, uh, a lot of times they do it kind of in a tongue-in-cheek way, or they, they'll show like, you know, an organization bringing in like a yogi and, and that sort of thing and just doing this <laughs> yeah. big production out of it, right? Mm. Uh you don't have to go that far, right? Not at all. Do you know, so many things that maybe have its roots or its origins in, in ancient practices that might be traced back to a philosophy or even a religion, if you will, and then you bring that teaching into the 21st century, that doesn't mean you have to practice it. You don't have to be a monk sitting on a mountaintop chanting to practice mindfulness. This is a modern day application. And it's, you know, if we took mindfulness, that word out of the equation, it would be awareness, thoughtfulness, do you know? Right. And you do not have to be a spiritual person to practice it. You don't have to be a religious person. Anybody can practice mindfulness. Really all it requires is it for you to, you know, 
commit to being a more aware human being <laughs> more than anything. Do you know? Mm -hmm. And anybody and everybody can do it. You know, people have asked me so many questions about mindfulness. And whenever there's a new word that crops up into the mainstream or as part of the zeitgeist, if you will, and someone isn't familiar with it, it's easy to sort of judge it or to want to, you know, put it in a box or to define it in a way. And, you know, I've had people challenge me about it, which is fine. You know, we, we need to get familiar with something that's unfamiliar or new to us. But when I start to say things like, hey, some of the top NBA athletes, you know, or the NFL athletes practice mindfulness, or some of the, you know, CEOs of companies, do you know, or, you know, or coaches of basketball and football teams, you know, then people kind of go, oh, okay, well, I guess it's not some sort of new age thing, do you know? Right. And I assure them that it's not. <laughs> it's a very usable practice that more and more companies and CEOs and business people and schools are bringing into the environments. Okay, so let's say that uh, somebody started this show as kind of a skeptic or maybe even just kind of curious as what mindfulness was. And uh, you know, the last few minutes, uh, you, you've educated them and they're intrigued. Uh, what is a good, easy way for them to start implementing mindfulness in their, in their organization? Well, I mean, I could tell you how to start it. You want it from an organization point of view or an individual point of view or both? Uh, yeah, both would be great, actually. Well, you know, I think it's a good place to start with an individual understanding of mindfulness and then to apply it in one's own life to really have an understanding of what it is so that you can wrap your mind around it to see what it looks like and what it feels like. And really what I encourage people to do is to start it, you know, if they can each day in their own life. And so what does that look like? That means like from the minute you wake up in the morning, you know, we all know we wake up in the morning, we're quick to jump on you know, our devices or jump out of bed and we're hurried to get here or to go there. And, you know, one of the most, you know, really illuminating things about mindfulness is it takes very few minutes sometimes to practice it. So let's, let's start with that. You know, from the minute you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, if you just took a minute to just be in gratitude that you're alive one more day, that's already the beginning practice of mindfulness. That's having an awareness of, wow, okay, I woke up, you know, I'm alive another day. I feel grateful for that. Do you know? You're already starting the practice of, of heightening your awareness. And when you start to heighten your awareness about things that really matter, it really sets the tone for your day. So that's the way I would suggest for somebody to just start first thing in the morning. Now, let's say you wake up in the morning and you're in a hurry, literally, to get to work, to get to a meeting, to do, you know, a presentation, to get your kids out of the house, whatever that might be. And you don't have a chance to do that. Or maybe you're, you know, a meditator and you haven't had a chance to meditate. Find some time in your day, even if you're in the workplace, to sit quietly. Everybody has a couple of minutes to sit quietly. And even if you're in a room or an office with other people, I suggest, you know, this, which is one of my favorite breathing exercises that is takes less than a minute to do. And it, you know, everybody that I teach it to, they're like, wow, that is one of the easiest things that I've ever learned. And it, and it's very effective. And I can share it with you today. And that is that 
I ask people, again, if you're in the workplace, you can do this. You literally have to just take a breath in and count silently to yourself. One, two, three, four, one. On the exhalation, breath out. Count one, two, three, four, two. Another breath in. One, two, three, four, three. And on your final exhalation, one, two, three, four, four. Mm. Now, how long did that take? Not long at all. And you know what's really interesting about that um, is, is the, the first place I was ever introduced to that technique was on the rifle range in boot camp. Uh, they just called it tactical breathing. Ooh, and, and it was yeah, it was something that uh, my uh, so the the person who did uh, our marksmanship instruction was called a primary marksmanship instructor PMI, and, and he taught us that very technique. He said when you get on the when you get on the line, take a few seconds, and it was a little bit different. He had us breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds. Yeah, there's a holding breathe, breathing exercise. There's there's a variety of them, Earl, that are really effective. And but what that does is it connects you to your breath, mm -hmm. and your breath is is a great grounding, to, you know, tactic to use, and it's a great equalizer. Do you it, know? It it really was because it was interesting to see because, uh, you know, he didn't show us it right off the bat. He let people do their thing, and you get some some kids who you know, would get excited. They've never really shot weapons before, that sort of thing. And their rounds would be all over the place. And then he would come through and he'd say, you gotta, you got to calm down. You know, again, he didn't use the mindfulness words that you use, but this is essentially what he was saying. you got to be present. you got to keep your eye on the target. Take the time to breathe. And then you would start seeing groups tighten up because people were able to concentrate better. Yeah, it helps with self-regulation. Do you know, it really does. And so if you're emotions let's say are kind of you know pretty all over the place or the adrenaline is pumping and all of that is going on it's a great way to bring your focus and awareness again back to the breath and it starts to regulate you know it starts to bring down your heart rate lower the blood pressure you know our breath is the greatest thing to focus on when we're definitely feeling you know anxious for sure right well, yeah, and uh, and you mentioned a big one, stress. You know, we, we have all these issues that uh, come up. You know, we'll, we'll see different studies from Harvard and different business schools around the country talking about employee engagement and burnout. And, you know, our, our folks, and especially right now, since we're still in the midst of the uh, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, yeah, you know, people are extremely stressed out. Our workforces are extremely stressed out right now. That's right. And, You're and absolutely so right. That that is a great exercise uh, for folks to go through. Um, it is. There's there's good mindfulness exercises and techniques that can really help you. You know, take it down a few notches. You know, as far as you know, being in a heightened state of worry and a heightened state of anxiety. You know, these kinds of practices really you know can change the chemicals in the brain. You know. And instead of, you know, that adrenaline pumping through you, it can activate more, you know, other, you know, chemicals or hormones in the brain that can actually calm you down, do you know? So I don't want people to think that there's nothing they can do because there is, 
there are things that we can do that can help us get through a day when we're feeling really stressed. So just out of curiosity, you know, there's, uh, you know, the different uh, kind of studies out there that show, you know, taking five minutes at the beginning of your day to plan out your day can, can save you two hours of productivity through the course of the day. Is there anything like that with, with these mindfulness practices that say, hey, if you do this, you gain this much productivity? Well, yeah, because, you know, mindfulness really is a way in which you can be much more efficient and productive in whatever area you put your mind on. So if you want to, let's say, do something like even plan your day. And again, if you think of mindfulness as just having an awareness of what are the things that you need to do? What are the things you want to accomplish? What are your goals? What do you hope to get out of the day? Do you know? So if you even plan for that with a mindful awareness of what you need to do and start your day like that, you really can be much more productive and you can really be much more efficient and effective in the work that you do. It definitely enhances productivity because you're you're really utilizing the type of thoughts that serve your well-being. You know, you're having a mindful awareness of any thought that isn't helping you or serving your well-being. So I think of it as like real minimalistic wisdom, if you will. It helps you kind of cut out what's not important, and it really helps you focus and zero in on what's useful to you for the very task at hand, the very thing that you want to get done. You know, you said something just then that that triggered uh, kind of a thought in my mind. Um, have Have you ever heard of or read the book uh, QBQ by John Miller? No, I haven't. So it's a very interesting book because uh, QBQ stands for the question behind the question, mm. and he gives an example in the book. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of a play on the you know the issue the uh, the issue is often not the issue, right? If an employee comes to you complaining about X, a lot of times they really mean Y. X is mm-hmm. just how it manifested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you just said, what what rung uh, to me was, you know, he he uses he talks about the words we use, mm-hmm. and and you said a minute ago, like if you get up and and you don't have time because you you have to go to work. He actually used an example, I believe it's in that book, or maybe it was an article uh, written about that book, but that's not the point. The point is, uh, I got a little on a tangent there. Um, you know, he says, you know, think about it. When you get up in the morning, if you say, I have to go, or I've got to go to work today, mm-hmm. you start yourself off on kind of this negative footing. But he says, if you wake up and you say, I get to go to work today. Absolutely. I love that. And it's the way you're framing it in your own mind. Do you know? And those are, you know, I like to talk about, you know, curating our thoughts. My first book is called Says Who? Mm -hmm. How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever, which is a cognitive questioning method for transforming negative and fear-based thoughts. You know, and our minds are very powerful. We think between what approximately 40 and 70,000 thoughts a day. And, you know, a good percentage of them might not serve our well being. And the ones that get our attention are usually the negative ones, do you know? So, the way in which you just said that, how do we want to frame the thoughts that we're holding in our mind, do you know? And it is really about that. You know, if you, if you, you know, basically switched out just that word from I have to, to I get to, you know, that already changes the energy of that thought. Exactly. And, 
And and what I like about what you're you're talking about here is is making that connection because like you said with all of those thoughts how many of us realize how many negative thoughts we have in a day? Oh, quite a lot. <laughs> you I mean, know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I we, mean we, we're we're hardwired to think negative. We do. We I think we're hard I think we're I think the mind, you know there's a Buddhist term monkey mind, which is like the restless mind. And when you get a visual for that, you know what does a monkey do? It's swinging from branch to branch and it's jumping around. And the mind can be like that. It can wreak havoc. And we have a choice as to whether we want to continue letting it wreak havoc. You know, I always find it fascinating how people feel they're separate from their mind somehow. Like it's some kind of separate thing that's wreaking havoc for them without, you know, understanding that we are literally deciding which thoughts we want to hold on to and which thoughts we want to let go of. Speaking of that book says who, uh, I have a technique in there called the release and replace technique which means that we have a choice to release a negative or fear-based thought or whatever type of thought isn't really serving our well-being and replace it with its positive counterpart. You know, I offer up these these techniques and skill sets to people and sometimes they look at me like, oh, that's just that just can't possibly work. It just sounds too easy. You know? <laughs> and I, I'm like, well, there you go. That's exactly what we do. We complicate things, you right. know, and the mind has a tendency you know, it's. I think the mind is. It's. An, we're natural problem solvers. We're thinking of ways to find, you know, answers to these quagmires or these problems or these conundrums. But oftentimes, we have to really ask ourselves: Did we put ourselves in that situation? And now we're trying to get ourselves out of it. It's. It is amazing how many people. Because I, you know, ran into it myself. Just like you said. As soon as you start trying to get people to simplify something, there's a knee-jerk reaction like, this has to be complicated. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually call it the yeah buts. I call it the yeah buts. I have that in my book. Yeah, but, you know, I don't have time for that. Yeah, but, oh, no, I don't know. That sounds too too uh, easy. Or, oh, yeah, but it sounds too hard. You know, we've got a myriad of yeah buts, all these excuses that we tell ourselves rather than just to try it and see if it works. I tell people, you know, even if you don't feel it, even if it isn't moving your soul somehow or resonating for you, try replacing that negative thought with a positive counterpart and tell me how that feels for you. What does that feel like in your body? And right. someone will say, well, you know, actually it kind of feels a little bit better. You know? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's just, it is weird. Like you said, especially the, I, I don't have time for that. Well, you know, Guess how much time you would have if you gave it a try. Right. And and that's up to you. You know, I it's that age old saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, you know, and even try even leading a horse to water is is generous, you know, but right. you certainly can't force it to drink. And I and I say that for people, like if you really want to change the program or the tapes or the very things that are causing you unhappiness, and there are different things to do to make that happen, you got to be willing to at least try and and see, you know, you're going to see, I, I ask people, I say, just try the says who method and see what you get out of it. You know, you, you might find that you're going to become a less negative thinker, you know, right. and that's a good thing. Well, I mean, it really is. And, you know, I've had a few guests on, on this show that have talked about that. And, you know, the one that, that really comes to my mind that, that highlights it, I think, uh, very, very powerfully the, is, uh, and is one of my first few guests, uh, this gentleman, uh, Colonel Lee Ellis, 
Um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard that name before or not, but... Uh, no, and forgive me if I haven't heard of some of the things or people oh, that you've mentioned. They I, all sound intriguing. No, not not a problem at all. That's, uh, that's what I love about doing this, right, is getting exposed to all kinds of different ideas and, and yeah. different philosophies and, uh, and all that. But, uh, no, Colonel Ellis, he's, he's a very interesting individual because he... Uh, uh, he was a POW uh, at the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War. And uh, what's interesting is uh, there's been a lot of studies. There's been a lot of studies basically since those, uh, those gentlemen returned home, uh, but a lot more renewed interest because now we've got, you know, um, 50 years basically of studying a, a set of individuals who were exposed to some of the worst atrocities that, uh, mm, you know, mm-hmm. th- that we were aware of. Mm-hmm. But by mm-hmm. and large, those individuals have fared very well in life. You know, they're CEOs, they're mm-hmm. congressmen, they're senators, they're, mm-hmm. they're judges, they, they're, they're uh, successful business owners and leadership right. coaches. Right. And when, when you look at it, it all comes back to what we're talking here. Uh, the, the gentleman in charge, uh, the, the kind of the senior officer was uh, Admiral James Bond Stockdale. And he was a fan of the Stoic philosophers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the one quote he kept using was, uh, uh, and it just popped out of my head. I use it all the time. Uh, Men are not disturbed by things, but the view of which they take of them. Mm-hmm. And the whole point was what, you, what, what we've been talking about is you can... You can control how you view the situation, positive or negative. And if you want to give it a positive slant, you have a better outcome. A negative Absolutely. slant will eat you up. Absolutely. And, you know, the beauty of mindfulness, you know, is also that, you know, it's, it's a practice that's showing really positive results even for those with post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Do you know there's a lot of modalities that really can help people reintegrate? in ways in which they can utilize themselves from from today you know going back to the present day without undermining minimize, minimizing or denying any past traumas you know that are very real for people you know they are not to be forgotten but the whole notion of using mindfulness present moment awareness into the understanding that literally today is a new day mm-hmm. do you know is very powerful in that one can really, that can be your starting point, you know, is, is a very powerful uh, notion, if you will, about how you can begin your life anew every day. And that's why even when I describe the morning gratitude awareness is that each day that I awaken and I open my eyes, I am grateful for a new day that I am alive. Do you know? And that goes for everybody and anybody, no matter your past, no matter your history, no matter your trauma, no matter your suffering, do you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the things that you that you talk about is this concept of noting. What is noting? Noting is a technique that is again, it's a mindfulness technique, meaning that noting is the awareness of something. So, for example, let's just say, hypothetically, you're in a conversation with somebody. And let's just say they say something that, that seems uh, rude to you, that appears to be rude. Rather than to go into reactivity to that person, 
you might note it by saying, well, you know, that was that was kind of rude. You know, okay, I'm going to note that, that this person just said something that seemed rude. And I have a choice in the moment that I can either react to their rudeness or I can take the higher road and I can neutralize it and respond with a non-rude, you know, uh, sentence. So, or noting could be that you're noting, that's just in, a, in an interactive way example. Noting could be that you're somewhere, let's say you're in the workplace and your coworker next to you is being very noisy, you know, or very loud. Again, you're in observer mode, you're not in reactive mode. So you're making note of what your observations are. And what's so helpful about that is that again, it helps us not quickly default to reactivity, but it allows us to be more in a neutral state of observation so that it doesn't upset our equanimity. It doesn't upset our balance. You know, it doesn't throw us off our center, if you will. And so that we can stay true to the level of awareness that we're at and we can meet somebody on that level. Do you know? Yeah, no, I, I like that. And, and what I like about that is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good concept because... <sighs> We, we do that a lot, right? I mean, in the moment, maybe because our mind is in so many places, we, we do typically focus on something that irritates us or causes us more offense than the things that people are trying to say. Right. And, and so I, I like that idea. Um, and it, it helps it, with, it also helps Earl with not being triggered as quickly, do you right. know? Right. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. And and uh, do you have any, uh, I mean, it seems fairly self-explanatory, but uh, are there any tips on how to get better at doing that? Or is it just a practice? I think, I think it's, you know, all of the things that we're talking about really become much more solidified and much more familiar when you practice them. So, you know, introducing concepts like mindfulness or, you know, I'm giving, you know, the breathing exercise or the morning awakening of acknowledging gratitude or something like noting, you know, for any of your listeners that take these pieces of advice, you know, they can start implementing them immediately. So something like noting, that's something you could just start immediately, you know, be aware of when something begins, I, I say it's starting to percolate, you know, right below the surface, like you're starting to get irritated, you're starting to get provoked, you're starting to feel as though you're about to be triggered, you know, in Says Who, my first book, I talk about, I cite the example of road rage, do you know that someone cuts you off in traffic and boom, you know, you immediately, for those mm -hmm. that are susceptible to reactivity, what happens? You go in, you go, you, you know, you go radioactive, you know, reactive, and you want to go after that person. You know, how about somebody cuts you off in traffic and you note it? Okay, somebody just cut me off in traffic. That's irritating. That's annoying. And maybe it's even pissing me off right now. Well, can I just be with that and not have to act on it? That's noting, you know, there's so many things that are going to come up for all of us, where if we just took a pause, if we took a beat, and we just said, oh, I'm not going to react to that. I don't need to react to that. I've noted it. 
you know, it's like I have something in my new book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, which after each chapter, I have something called Note to Self. You know, it's like a, like a little note to self, you know, a pearl, an affirmation, do you know, a mantra, something that you want to tell yourself that's going to help you get through a moment, get you through the day, whatever, do you know? Noting is really helpful and anybody can do that immediately, start it today. Yeah, well, you just, uh, it's almost like you've been in the car with me before because that's, <laughs> admittedly, that's a weakness of mine is, is especially, especially getting cut off. Like, you know, and, and this is how I justify it. And I know humans are great at justifying stuff, but it's like, I'm okay if somebody's speeding and just kind of acting generally <laughs> silly. But if they, if they do something that is dangerous and puts my life in danger, that really, like you said, and I love the word because that really makes me nuclear right there. It's like I totally yes. It, it, By the way, it's very common. You yeah. know, I think it. I think it stems from a more, you know, animalistic survival instinct that we have, and I think that when someone messes with us in that way, it it brings it out in us. Now you don't want to go bananas and do something that could put you and someone else's life in danger. Do you know, but I think it's good to acknowledge the the react reactivity that you may feel even internally, you know, and just say, oh, you know, people can say out loud, oh, that really pisses me off, you know, or something like that. But we have a split second decision there. You know, I think, what is it, the amygdala in the brain, that right. that's like the emotional center that, you know, you don't want to make decisions from that place. And I think that if we just take, again, that pause, that beat, that breath, we're not going to go after somebody. Right. Do you know? You, you, you really want to be mindful of that kind of behavior. You know, and it could be not even just, you know, road rage. I use road rage because it's such an extreme example. But like, you know, you could be somewhere. I hear this all the time, especially now when emotions are running high and people don't feel like they have the reserve, that extra. So maybe they're in the market or they're getting gas or whatever they're doing. And someone does something and they just are so quick to react or say something that's rude. You know, it's going to leave your mouth and then you wish you hadn't said it. So this is the power of mindfulness. It just, boom, it catches it in the moment and goes, oh, no, I'm not going there. I don't need to go there. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, yeah, I think you hit, uh, hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you know, for, for reference, I mean, this recording right now on July 30th, and, uh, you know, what, what Aura is talking about here is exactly what we see when we turn on the news and we see, uh, what is the, the, the term that they're using now, the, the Karens, uh, you know, going ballistic because either somebody is not wearing a mask or somebody is making them wear a mask yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we yep. see that a lot. And, and yeah. Like you said, people are stressed. and There's a lot of that going on right now. And I, I think it's a really good thing, Earl, to, to, to talk about because we really need to pay closer attention to how we're how we're treating each other right now. I think it's really important and people are going off on each other really quickly and judging each other harshly. And, you know, I, it concerns me, quite honestly. You know, I, I think we can do a better job of this. I really do. No, I, I agree. I agree. Okay, so um, I've, I've been listening to the Burden of Command podcast uh, I get to this episode, I listen to, to uh, the wonderful job that you've done of explaining mindfulness and, and all the powers and, and perks of it. 
Uh, I've become a true believer. I've ran out and uh, ran out <laughs> and purchased a, a copy of your book, Live True: A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. Uh, I'm I'm all on board. How do I get my team to to get on board? How do I get mindfulness to become a part of how we operate on a daily basis? Good question. So to get everybody on board really is, you know, the modus operandi right now because, you know, more people, more businesses, more companies, more CEOs are understanding the value of mindfulness and, you know, the practice of it and that it really creates a much more cohesive environment and it heightens productivity. So more and more companies are implementing this as we speak. I think there's even some in-house programs, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Google has implemented that into their company. And there are many other businesses and companies that are recognizing the importance of it. So, you know, it depends on what the business or the company has to offer. If there's a possibility to teach mindfulness in the workplace, you know, right now with COVID, obviously we're limited to what we can do as a physical collective. So if it's being done virtually or in whichever way people are conducting their businesses, I highly recommend that there is this, you know, if not a requirement, if it's necessary, that people individually learn the practice of mindfulness, you know? The I, my book is out that it has many tips and tools and skill sets for how to, you know, live more, you know, along the guidelines of mindfulness. There's so many other books that are out there that can help people learn different practices and techniques to practice mindfulness. I think that it's something that needs to be gotten on board for because especially right now with what we're experiencing, as we said earlier, you know, people are in a heightened state of anxiety, a heightened state of stress. Uh, moving forward, we really need to implement these kinds of practices. I think they're going to be absolutely essential and necessary. Mm. Well, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of how we're doing some things virtually. And, you know, we live in the digital age right now where we expect to have everything in the palm of our hands. Are there any really good uh, apps that you would recommend to, to be able to help folks? Well, I think there's some good, um, gosh, there's, I know there's some good um, apps like, um, I think there's one called Calm. There, there's so many of them. There's Insight Timer. I just got on Insight Timer myself with my meditations. I'm just going to start to um, upload those. So Insight Timer, Calm. Um, what's the other one that's pretty, pretty popular? I, I can't remember it right now. Headspace. That's it. Ta-da. Got it. Okay. Uh, you know, really pretty much, I mean, those have been up and running for a while and there's a lot of really great meditations on there and mindfulness practices. And, you know, you Google meditation mindfulness apps today and a plethora of them pop up on the search. And I really recommend people to just start with whatever resonates for you. You know, I know Headspace is really popular and Insight Timer, both of those are super popular and as well as Calm. I know those are three that I've recommended and they come up a lot. Okay. Um, and you know, uh, what I've, I've personally found kind of helpful is, uh, uh, you know, Spotify has some really good 
playlists uh, that are geared towards concentration and focus and, and that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's specifically to like what you want. Like there's sleep meditation. I happen to be on Spotify and iTunes myself. I have my own meditations. So you can certainly check out my meditations. But yeah. if you want something specific, like for people that are like, like you said, concentration meditations, uh, breathing meditations, you know, uh, sleep meditations. There are body scan meditations. There's so many that are available for what it is you might want to be guided on specifically. Outstanding. Well, you know, Aura, as crazy as it is, uh, we are coming up on about 40, 42, 43 minutes or so here. Uh, okay. So as we look to, to kind of ramp things up a little bit, and you kind of mentioned there with uh, – uh, the things you have on on iTunes and uh, and Spotify, um, but um, is there anything that you would like to mention, like to discuss that we haven't had a chance to touch on yet? Well, speaking of uh, Spotify and iTunes, other than my meditations, which again I have them, I also have uh, Live True on audiobook. So, and then you can get my meditations because there's a meditation at the end of every chapter of Live True, and then recently. I do a Facebook Live every Monday called Mindfulness Monday, and I have wonderful guests on with me, thought leaders and authors and just tremendous um, guests who are really experts in their fields, and uh, they're, they're going so well. And each of those episodes is now going to be, or has already started to be a podcast. So those are on uh, Spotify and iTunes. Well, for those that can't necessarily tune in to Facebook Live at 10 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time every day, you can hear it as a podcast. And I will be uploading each of the episodes that I've had onto that. Another thing I'd love to mention, Earl, before we close is that I have an online thought coach certification training program, which is based on my says who method from my book, which again is a cognitive method for transforming negative and fear-based thoughts. And to date, I have almost 100 graduates from all over the world. And it's a, just a fantastic program. And for someone who wants to consider being a thought coach or just wants to understand the thinking mind better than they ever have before, this is quite a spectacular program, I'm, I might add. Yeah, no, I, um, I I was looking at that, and I'm going to have links to some of the things that we've been discussing uh, in the show notes, so uh, people can go and 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 find you very easily. Oh, uh, excellent! I love the fact that you have your book on Audible because uh, uh, I haven't I haven't got it on Audible yet. I'm I'm actually going to pick it up uh, next time my my credits roll around because. What you just said, which I think is a great selling point, is is if I heard you right, you have some meditations at the end of each chapter? I do, and people are really loving that they're hearing me do the actual meditation um, after each chapter. So I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. I mean, for those that like to hold a book and read it or Kindle or whatever, but there are many people that prefer the audio. Right. And you get the benefit of also hearing the meditation and it can help guide you, you know, in each of those meditations that I offer up. Exactly. And then, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm always kind of on the fence when it comes to that, like there's, there's this 
I guess, primal part of me that loves the the smell and the feel of a of an <laughs> actual book. But you know, the truth is, is I hardly ever actually have time anymore to sit down and cozy up and and read a physical book. I am right there with you, Earl. I'm a I'm a bit of a book junkie. I've got so many of them all over the place, and it, who has the time right. to read them all? And so, you know, audio is really great. I have some friends of mine that that's their preferred way to experience a book, yeah. and boy, they go through quite a lot more than most people I know that actually read a book. Oh. Yeah, there's a there's one guy I work with. I, I, I jokingly refer to him as a weirdo with this, but uh, <laughs> on on Audible, there's the feature where you can like listen to the book uh, uh, like at one and a half or two times. Maybe I don't remember if it goes up to three times. Maybe two times speed. But that's what he listens on. And oh wow, oh yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't know how you do it. I mean, first of all, they sound <laughs> like chipmunks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just I was just thinking like I wonder what that sounds like. Uh, but yeah, and and so uh, you know, kind of backtracking here a little bit. Like I I I love the visual presentation here on your site for for the course, the the thought coach certification. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Before we run out of time, thank you. Can I just jump in really quickly and yeah. add to that, if you don't mind, that I've recently branched out with what I'm doing now with some of my graduates, which is just so awesome, is that some of my graduates are really versed in particular areas. Like two of my top graduates, one is a, uh, a specialist in addiction and an author and he's amazing and then my other one of my recent graduates has a background in suicide so mm -hmm. what i'm doing is i'm also plugging in the thought coach program for special areas and this is just the if the this is a whole new adjunct to the coaching so if you go on my site you'll see that you know you can take you can just take the thought coach program if you're interested in becoming a thought coach or want to help others you know with their thinking um, or if you want to work with someone or for yourself in the area of addiction or soon to be released will be in the area of suicide prevention and also some post-traumatic uh, stuff, I'm going to be having coaches for that as well. Mm, outstanding. No, that's, that's good. Uh, those, those specialties, I mean, and those are definitely needed specialties, especially on in uh, my community, the the veteran community, with the veteran suicide epidemic and and all of that going on. So yes, yeah. So I, I really appreciate you doing that work. That that's good work. Thank you so yeah. much, Earl. Um. Well, Aura, um, what <laughs> is a good way if people want to uh, get in touch with you? Maybe want you to come into their organization, do some virtual training. Maybe they want to. Uh, uh, get in touch with you about the the coaching uh, the coaching certification. How can folks reach out to you? They can go onto the website and there's many tabs and they can literally uh, send us an email through the website, which is oranadridge.com. If they're interested in learning more about the Thought Coach Certification Training Program, uh, they can just directly email. I think the email there is info at the iftt.org. Um, so there's that way, and uh, it, there's a lot there that they can really tap into, and that's really the best way for them to connect with me if they're interested in, you know, me wanting to do any kind of virtual um, 
learning or teaching of the says who method or mindfulness uh, that's the best way for them to to reach me okay good deal and again listeners i'll have these links on the the show notes there so you can uh, uh you can access those pretty easy and get a hold of uh, uh get a hold of aura and, and uh, take advantage of all the great materials uh uh she has there now uh, you know, the one thing that uh, I saw scrolling through here that I don't think we mentioned, which, again, looks amazing. Whoever is putting together your uh, uh, your graphics here is, is, is a rock star. Oh, uh, I will tell him. He's amazing. <laughs> he really is. Thank you. He's, he's going to, like, just beam when I tell him you said that. Oh, well, there you go. But no, this... Uh, <laughs> Your your newsletter, the transformational thinking newsletter, that looks uh, that looks great. Thank you so much, Earl. You're so kind. And you know what? If you get on my mailing list, we will send it to you. It's a monthly newsletter, and it will ha it has things like even what we're doing. You know, our interview can be featured on it. Do you know? So it goes wide and far, and it reaches a lot of people, and they love the content. So you know, sign on to my mailer and, you know, we'll include you. Outstanding. There you go, folks. You have a, you have an action item now. Go get signed up and uh, get the newsletter and, and check out the, the podcast. Uh, get yourself a copy of the book. And uh, if it's something that is in an area of interest for you, make sure that you uh, look into uh, that coach certification training. Um, yeah. Well, Orant, thank you very much for, for joining us uh, today. It's been an immense pleasure, and the time has just flown by. It sure has, Earl, and I want to thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, listeners, uh, you know, be sure, again, take advantage of all these uh, materials that uh, uh, Aura Nadrich and her team have made available. Uh, I think they will make a difference in, in your life, and, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be leading a team, uh, in your team's lives. Um, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns for me, be sure to get uh, get those to me at burden.command at gmail.com. Uh, we'll get all those worked into the show as much as we can. If you have a guest idea, if you have a story idea, uh, anything, any type of feedback, I want to put that to work to make this show better for you. Um, and uh, be sure that you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, and do those same things for Aura and her show, please. And uh, with that, thank you for your time and listening to us. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid.